Thanks for moving, guys. It actually it does it has a positive effect that you know you, you know when you see the Westpac Stadium and then they show you the part of the you know where the crowd are you and you think yeah it's, um, it's just a really good thing yeah um, and yeah just as uh, Aaron said about daylight saving I was going perhaps we should have said last week that because you've been had an hour stolen of your sleep last night that this is going to be a short sermon just to compensate an off is that if that could be that so yeah. Um, my title for today is to keep trusting, and my main text comes from Psalm 37, the first 11 verses, um, with a bit of a focus today on comparison and envy, um, but also on some of, the, some of the stunning promises of God for his children. Um, those who here may recall, last time I started with a story about helping my father when I was eight, um, working on the house. And today, a month later, I, I really have to confess that I, I wasn't a whole lot of help to Dad because, uh, one, I was young, um, but secondly, I was actually a bit klutzy when I was a child. And, um, and if you go along to a, to a McKevitt gathering some stage and the stories get trotted out, there's a few clumsy Bruce stories in there, <laughs> and, uh, which I laugh at as well. I mean, it's, it's fun with that. Um, so that part of being clumsy was okay, but much more importantly, though, was when Jeanette and I were dating. And... Um, we decided to, to go together on a bike ride, and so we got to the place, took the bikes off the bus, um, only to find that uh, my bike had a flat rear tire. So, well, fix a puncher, easy. Now, bikes are great today, but back in the 70s, I'd just like to say that, that the derailer things, when you took the thing off the back wheel and getting it round, they were, you had to hold everything right and, and hold your tongue right and all that to get them back together, so, which I did. And three hours later, we started riding. <laughs> because we were late starting, I, um, we got on the road and didn't actually know where we, or how far we had to go, so we decided to ask at a house. So it was a, quite a narrow road, it was dark, there was no light, so I picked up my bike to go and put it over um, by the fence uh, before we went it. so it went over and fell into a half-metre culvert that was, uh, so I went and put it up there. Jeanette laughed about that for years. <laughs> she still does, but um, yeah, that was... Um, so why am I telling you all this? Well, partly I've always been in awe of people who have great motor skills. That, you know, people that do things effortlessly, that for me is actually a project and that sort of thing. But more than that, I've often been really envious of them. Really envious, yeah. So... I want to look at Psalm 37 because that has quite a bit to say about envy and those sorts of things. So let's just look at the first 11 verses. Eh? And it starts off, Do not fret because those who are evil, sorry, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He'll make your righteous uh, reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. 
In a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy peace and prosperity. Aren't they wonderful promises from our God? Aren't they fantastic? The, the, the psalm actually has 40 verses, and it was written by David in his old age, um, indicated by verse 25 that says, Once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And what also can be seen from the psalm is that he wrote it to remind us of our place in God's creation, that it was God that created the universe, and it's going to be God that will control its end. It's a great psalm to meditate on when, thing, when it seems to you that the world is overwhelming and winning, or if you're in the, in the fear of FOMO, that you're missing out on something. It's a really good psalm to meditate on. Kicks off with the, com- with the command, do not fret, and repeats it twice more in the first eight verses. Just look at those again. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. In verse 7, do not fret when people succeed in their ways, um, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And thirdly, in verse 9, do not fret, it only leads to evil. What does it mean to fret? Well, the dictionary says it's to be constantly or visibly anxious, or to gradually wear away something by rubbing or gnawing. Something that niggles at us, robs us of our peace. And one of the common struggles that perhaps we have at times as Christians is that we feel like we are languishing while many in the world are doing better. We sometimes think, Lord, why does it seem that the wicked prosper and the good suffer? And this theme comes through a lot more strongly in Psalm 73, uh, even to the point in verse 70, uh, Psalm 73 verse 11, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. Don't fret, it only leads to evil. What's interesting about that third one is that um, the first two sessions, don't fret because of what are others doing or how well they're going, because they're actually going to disappear. And the second one says the same. You know, don't worry about them. When the schemes are succeeding, doing wrong, they're actually going to disappear. But the third one says, don't, uh, don't fret because it leads to evil, and it's to my evil. It's me, it's mine, it's about me. So we need to look at that. Um, uh, And it's a clear warning to us. If we dwell on some lack that we have or some wrong that's been done to us, we're going to be in trouble. And so often I find when I go around in my pastoral care work um, and hear the stories of people, um, and it's when they come under pressure mostly that they're so vulnerable to sinning. so it's actually a good warning you know, to try and say, if you know that this has happened to you, to try and say, look, what do I need to do to ensure I don't go the next step? Another part of it is that we so easily compare ourselves with others and look upon others with envy. Envy actually can be a good thing um, if it helps you do something like emulate a good role model or something like that. Um, it has an element of desire in it. Um, Somebody's learnt to navigate something well, and you can learn from them. If they model way to get ways to get close to God, you say, yep, I think I'll take that on as my own. But it has another element, and that's the one that makes it bad, is that the desire is tinged with the resentment that it's going well for the other person and not for you. So you've got envy there, a mingling of desire for something and the resentment that another isn't enjoying it, and you are not. 
things aren't going well for you, it's going great for them, and it gnaws at you. Why does it go so well for that person when it doesn't go well for me? And some of those feelings actually can be, work, can be towards our Christian brothers and sisters as well. They seem to have got an easier run than I have. They seem to be closer to God than I have, you know, all those sorts of things. What we do know, though, is that the Bible's clear about envy. Um, it's unwelcome, and it's potentially destructive. Galatians 5.26 says, Rid yourself, therefore, of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. It's in there with some pretty big hitters, really, isn't it? 1 Peter 2.1, Rid yourself, therefore, of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and... Oh, I just read that, didn't I? Galatians 5.26 actually says, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Galatians uh, 5.26... I've got myself completely lost. Anyway, and thirdly, Galatians 5.19-21, it's listed as one of the works of the flesh that can stop people inheriting the kingdom of God. So it's really important that we go after it. Having said all that, there's an unrelenting assault to our senses to cause us to engage, um, to engage, to indulge in envy. The world is a hard, well, the marketing world is a hardwired envy-creating machine. It's, um, that's, it wants to be a creator of that. It's a barrage upon your life all the time. It's incessant, it's constant. People on advertisements always seem to be having the best time ever, and their lives are always carefree and enjoyable. You've just got to have what this is. Your life will be like that. You are missing out. If you can't afford it, doesn't matter. Just pop around to instant finance. Your loan can be improved within the hour, but don't miss out. Have you got some debt issues? Don't worry, pop into the bank. You can consolidate them all into one loan and then we can advance you money to go from there, but don't miss out. Are you living beyond your means? Look, don't worry. We will give you 36 months to pay on anything over $500. I bet that's doable for you, isn't it? So just to make sure you don't miss out on that great deal. And can I ask the young people or, or of you, how many of you, of you guys or your children received a letter from the bank welcoming them on when they were 18, just upon leaving school, saying that $10,000 was available for them? A couple of my kids got that. I was furious. Yeah, yeah that's what they did. Anybody, any, did they only come to our household? Yeah, perhaps they did, yeah. I wonder what that says. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the pressure on our young people is just an intense. Um, on Friday, Radio New Zealand reported on a Colmar Brunton survey that identified that 83% of our youth feel mental health, depression and suicide are the biggest issues facing them. And the pressure comes from education, from social media, from expectations to succeed and securing employment. It's really tough for them, we know that. And now, as we see them in marches on Friday, they're facing the prospect to them that the world's not going to be able to support them. We, we must continue to pray for our youth in the world that it is, yeah. Sometimes when you do make decisions about how you're going to live your life and, and work on, I'm just not going to let these things get to you, it can be quite difficult as well. Um, some aspects of working within your means uh, isn't that easy. Jeanette and I made a decision um, early on that Jeanette would stay at home as um, be a stay-at-home mum for as long as we could manage it, which was 11 years. 
really, it was our time of mortgage, marriage, children, and little money. It wasn't easy, though, watching the kids' faces when the pizza delivery van pulled up over the road at the neighbor's place once a week, and our kids were lucky if we did that once a term. Um, and I remember being a parent help on a, uh, uh, on a bus trip, and I don't know why I did it, but I said to the kids, uh, they were six and seven, how many of you have been to Australia? And 90% of the hands went up. So I said, okay, how many of you have been to Disneyland? And five or six of them uh, also put up their hands. And I thought, strike. <laughs> Our kids didn't even see the South Island properly until they went on their own trip there when they were adults. But, so, but um, the point of that was, was um, it was an insight, in a sense, to what our children were up against. And, and um, you, you're wanting to manage your kids. You don't want them to be envious of the lack or the, what others have as you try to do these things. Another thing in this can be your background. Um, in mine, there were two things uh, that shaped my view of the world that I really needed to change as I got older. Um, and the first was actually a constant comparison of our lot with someone else uh, that went by. It was a kitchen table topic often. Um, and the comparison of us with them was generally unfavorable, often actually followed by an analysis of, well, let's look more broadly at their lives to see if we can find your sort of some glitches <laughs> that that will, um, that will bring the imbalance a little bit closer together. Yeah, we did it, we did a lot. Um, yeah, what it did for me was actually caused me to grow up with feelings of inferiority and, and those sorts of things. The second one was the, if only I had done this or hadn't done that, then life would be so much better. And just to tell you how prevalent it was, um, even this year, one of my siblings reminded me of some uh, advice I gave him in 1982. If you go and study now and get your qualification, you'll be fine. He didn't do it, but he's still looking at that's you know, coming up for 40 years ago, and it's still a factor that's affecting how he thinks things. Yeah. And both these things were real hindrance in my uh, view of God. I was often unsettled. I often lacked in confidence, um, and particularly in decision-making, and particularly the bigger ones. Um, yeah. So what are some of the results of envy, or the effects? Well, some of the biblical results are pretty ugly, aren't they? Um, Cain was so jealous of Abel that he, that he murdered him. You know, there, there were so many like that. Saul and David, um, Haman and Mordecai, and all those sorts of things. Many examples that do show that it is something that's common to man. Um, in Matthew 28, we read, you know, Pilate knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. We cannot give in to it because it can take over our lives and shipwreck our faith. How many people do live beyond their means and have demanding an ongoing battle with their credit card and its obscene interest rates? How often are people pretending to be someone they're not? You know, that, and as we all know, people can see right through a fake. Um, are you trying to be someone you're not born to be? One of the accounting firms I worked for had a director that was the son of a director, so he was an accountant in his father's footsteps. But it wasn't what he was supposed to do with his life, and he spent years trying to make it fit for him. Um, 
The result was that um, generally once a month he had between one and two days off, he'd come down with a migraine, and when, he, when it's, it got close, he was out the door off home because in, taking his, in a day and a half he'd get back. Um, he wasn't competent in his job for, uh, because he was continually striving to do it, and um, he was finally ousted as a partner, which, which was a blessing to him and to the partnership as well. Um, yeah, yeah, so he was ousted. Caught up with him 10 years later, um, and he ended up helping his partner um, work, working in a chemist shop and got quite involved in that. I said, how many migraines have you had in the last 10 years, Jeff? He said, one. Trying to be something you want. You may recall that Stu Corlett said that about being a pharmacist as well. He was trying to be a pharmacist, but it wasn't what he was born to be. And he, used to, he also used to get migraines because he was like this when the Lord had made him an expensive guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing about envy is that on one level, it's actually an act of unbelief. Yeah, it says that actually God got it wrong with me, that when he purposed and created me, that he's left us deficient in some way. So there is that as well. And that's the good thing about the psalm, because it gives so many reasons why we shouldn't be unbelieving. And it contrasts these envy issues with his amazing providence that actually is available to us all. And it tells us why he, we should trust in him. God is for us. It tells us, the, the psalm tells us he's working in ways that's for our good, even if it doesn't look like us to us. And there are four reasons which I just want to reinforce that with um, to help that here. The first one is in verse 2. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. You know, we actually don't want to be in these shoes because there's no inheritance for them in heaven at all. Secondly, verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's actually an amazing promise, because envy usually arises out of not having what we think is a desire of our heart. And so the best way we've got to fight envy when it comes is to go to God and say, Look, Lord, in verse 4, um, if I delight in you, you're going to give me the desires of my heart. Um, so I'm going to delight in you. And as we know, the Bible has a staggering promises for those whose delight is in him. And that's the key step, really. Trusting in God sufficiently so that you come to rest in who he is for you. Um, and it, as you, it's very likely they will have a profound effect on the way your desires develop, that they'll be more and more in line with his ways, and you'll actually, out of it, become a more satisfied person. Thirdly, in verse 5 and 6, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He'll make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Um, and that word vindication is actually a really precious one because one of the lies that lies behind envy is that things aren't going as well as they ought to, that we're getting a raw deal, while for someone else who doesn't even deserve it, things are going better. But God says, I will vindicate and that's what is promised here for us. And the fourth one is in verses 9 and 11. For those who inherit, for those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And this is repeated often throughout Scripture, isn't it? You know, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Romans 4, 13. 
For the promise to Abraham and his offspring was that he would be heir of the world, didn't come from the law, but came through the righteousness of faith. We will be rewarded. We will be rewarded. So can I encourage you to dwell on the word of God when you feel you're getting a raw deal in life? Dwell on the promises and dwell on the one who made them as the source of all integrity, honesty, faithfulness, holiness. He's trustworthy. And just as David said in verse 25, I was young, now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. One thing we could do is, can we pray for contentment with what we have? In 1 Timothy 6.6 6 it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think of the two missionaries that, that this church is supporting in North Africa that Jeanette and I had the opportunity to visit a couple of years back. And they live you know, on a real stretched budget. Um, they live really simply. But what you see from them is just a thankfulness all the time for the Lord meeting their needs. Um, they're grateful to be able to serve him over there in the adverse conditions. And you may remember um, from the Tonga trip one year, that, uh, sorry, not one year, last year, that youth went on, was how they, one of the things that really struck them was how simply the people lived, how few possessions they had, but the depth of the joy in the Lord that they had was enviable, you could say. Yeah. And it's also, can we seek the counsel of help from others? Um, ministry of others has always been and still will be crucial to me. And of course, Jeanette uh, is, is the, my main source of that. One of the funny things about um, being preparing sermons this year, and our youngest boy, Sam, is uh, living at home with us. And he's not walking with the Lord at the moment, but he's listening when I do my practice runs with Jeanette. And he's offering improvements and things that I can say. <laughs> and I think, yes, Lord, they're really useful. Yeah, yeah. But I do urge you to catch up with someone if you have ongoing issues with fretting and with envy. Um, and I just want you to know that if I, when I catch up with someone with, um, in my pastoral work, I take the issues to my prayer times and I think about the person and I often pray, as some of you do, pray the scriptures over, over their lives and into them as well. I want to finish with a quote from Spurgeon, who says, He who affirms that Christianity make me, makes men miserable is himself an utter stranger to it. It makes us sons of God. Do you suppose that God will give all the happiness to his enemies? and reserve all the mourning for his own family? Shall his foes have mirth and joy, and shall his home-born children inherit sorrow and wretchedness? Shall the sinner who has no part in Christ call himself rich in happiness, and shall we go mourning as if we were penniless beggars? No, we will rejoice in the Lord always, and glory in our inheritance, for we have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but will receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Lastly, just as an aside, the psalm talks about the wicked not inheriting, or the wicked perishing and all that sort of thing. And um, what I just wanted to raise with that is I, I have some lifelong friends who aren't walking with the Lord, and what's tricky about that 
is that the Lord has used them in my life quite definitely in, in pivotal ways at times. And uh, yeah, and uh, there's one that, um, that I spent several, we used to run two or three times a week, and we used to have a number of, um, of uh, conversations about God. And, and at the end of it, he said, you know, Bruce, the thing is, I actually just don't need him. And he's a professional man, and he earns several hundred thousand dollars a year. He's about to jet out to the World Cup, and he does overseas trips and all those sorts of things. And, and um, he's having a wonderful time. But the thought of him not being on the other side is tricky. And so I just want to encourage you. Who are the people that God has made friends in your life or put alongside you? Pray for them. Keep praying for them. So with that. Yeah. Just to finish, um, I would like to just have us spend a couple of minutes in meditation on the psalm. So if you've got it open on your, tele- on your, on your Bibles or your phones and all that, uh, there's a couple of verses up on the screen. I just want you to just spend a couple of times dwelling on our God and his promises. Thanks. Oh Lord, we confess that we can look upon others with envy and consider that perhaps you could give us a little more. Lord, at times we look at the seeming ease of their lives and wish our problems were fewer. We start to focus on what we see as our lack relative to them and lose sight of the riches that are at our disposal here or are in the age to come. Lord, I pray you'd help us to know ever more deeply that your promises are true, that you are the holder of all riches and you will not hold back in giving them to us in this life and in the next. That is, you'll give them at the right time according to your infinite wisdom. Lord, lastly, we pray for those we know and love who don't know you and who are ensnared by the trappings of a carnal life. Lord, we lift them before you and, and just picture those people in your mind, your friends. Lord, we ask that you would visit them in a powerful way so they would come, Lord, to know the truth. Lord, that that what's written about them in that psalm would not apply to them because your hand has touched them in a powerful way and opened their eyes to the truth. I pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Do what we pray. Amen. Is that shorter? It was a bit shorter, yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll put it back to the music team. Thank you for them. Um, Aren't they great? I just really so appreciate it. Five dollar lunches and sandwiches. We are but few, but there's good food out there, good tucker, and I just look forward to catching up with you. And always, if anything, if um, you're you're grappling with something that you're just feeling too big for you, I'm really happy, or any of the elders, to talk to you about it. Give us a call. We can do coffee, whatever. Love to help in, in any way. I long, I long, I long to see us all freer in God enjoying him more and, um, and strongholds broken and things out of the way. So please, do you need to come to, we put in a plug for cleansing streams as well, just do that. But it's a great course, I just commend it to you. Cool, thanks.